Before we start today's episode, I would just like to apologise for not having an episode out last week. This is because um, life and situations had come along. I have now um, a better way of dealing with this, so I should be able to carry on with the episodes as normal. So thank you very much for your patience in waiting for another episode, and we're going to give you another one today. Today's episode teaches you about the 10 laws that govern landscape photography. So, law one, don't leave locations to chance. Learn everything you can about your landscape location before you get there. For likely viewpoints to where parks are. You're likely to stumble across great landscape locations by going out into the country. It may seem like a lot of work to do, but it's easy to check out locations, sun positions, weathers, tides before you set off. Now, there are applications on mobile phones and tablets um, that you can use. Um, the best ones I find are the ones where um, it tells you what time sunset and sunrise is going to be in the particular location in which you're going to be taking the photo so you can get the um, golden hour of sunset or sunrise and <clears throat> looking at Google Earth and finding different vantage points to take photos is another great way to um, enhance your photography and the location of where you're going to be shooting it also gives you a thing about what lenses you should be taking, what type of photography you're going to be taking, and what um, colours are going to be there for when you're processing the image later on. Now, law two is don't stick to your plans regardless. Caught out by unexpected showers, make sure you have the flexibility to get out of your day, the most out of your day. Even though you should always go out with a researched plan of what you want to shoot, <coughs> it is never set in stone. Mother Nature has a habit of regularly throwing plenty of curveballs at you when you've out on location except the unexpected 
for surprise rain showers to strong wind and even pain super fog sorry super fog it usually the weather that will scarper the best laid plans along with the weather you might also encounter unexpected alterations to a landscape such as changes in the trees flora changes in water level and even more drastic events like landslides which can even alter the scape dramatically or simply prevent you from getting to your chosen location on time time for plan b this is where it plays pays to have a backup plan and also to give yourself plenty of time to arrive at your shoot if you're planning on working around sunrise or sunset we usually try to get a location at least 30 minutes before we think we might want to start shooting if it's a place that you we've visited before and well known to give ourselves the time to explore surroundings and come up with an alternative if things go wrong the bottom line is that no plan is perfect however good research is but quite often we found that having to think on our feet produces some fresh ideas that that work even better than the original concept so basically um having the 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 backup plan so for example you've gone out to shoot so i'll give you an example for me so i've gone on holiday with my parents and we've gone on excursions which are tours off the boat and we've had situations where we went to this lovely zoo we got there not the nicest of weather because it was a bit dull cloud wise but basically and and it started raining so me and my father had already thought ahead and brought ourselves some rain covers for our cameras so we could at least carry on shooting whilst the weather wasn't absolutely and excuse my language here pissing it down but so this is always good to keep in mind that you want to have a backup plan so in this instance we obviously couldn't have a backup plan because we were on an escorted tour but we had the backup plan of okay if we're going to be shooting like this we need to bring the tripod if we're going to be shooting in this weather we're going to need a rain cover we're going to need rain coats we're going to need bags that can get wet but uh, and won't ruin the equipment inside like my camera bag for example it's made from a material that water just runs off of and it can get wet but won't seep through to the bag and so that's always good to keep in mind and not to um, lose track of what you're trying to do so research is important as well because 
you need to research the area so that <clears throat> if there is a landslide like the article shows or talks about sorry um then the landslide uh may prevent you from getting to that area so is there another location within that area that you could take a similar photo or maybe even a better photo than the one you originally thought of because it was disrupted now these are all things to consider and you never know life can throw a curveball at you at any time especially mother nature as we tell in england at the moment we had masses and masses and masses of heat wave and then all of a sudden we had a tiny bit of rain and now it's it's not a heat wave but it's not raining so we're still in a sort of a almost a drought situation here so mother nature can be a bit of a let me use the term bitch at times now law three don't always use wide angle lenses be aware of the possibilities zoom or telephoto lenses can give you and you'll end the day with more creative images many landscape photographers shoot 80% of their landscape with a wide angle lens but it's still worth thinking along a longer lens for capturing those distant details that are impossible to shoot with anything else. For the other 20% of images, around half are shot using a longer focal length setting for a standard zoom, the other half with a telephoto lens. Stitching up. The other occasion where a longer focal length lens comes in is if you're shooting a panorama a wide angle lens often distorts at least part of the image making a sequence harder to stitch together using a telephoto lens keeps the perspective of the final result looking more natural now these are very good ideas because my father um because we use the same <clears throat> make of camera we share lenses so my father has a wide angle lens which i have used from time to time and i'm not so keen on wide angle lenses myself because wide angle lenses sort of as it said in the article distort the edges of the image which can look good in some instances but in most to me doesn't look good at all i tend to use when shooting anything except for the most recent photos which can be found at be it me not you tk um i l basically like to do i like to use my 18 to 270 lens for mainly everything including landscape uh, because I can zoom in, zoom out, crop the area around so you get a better sort of outline around your photo or zoom out so that 
it can help that way as well. So it's all preference really, but just don't stick to a wide angle lens. Don't always use an ND grade for your shoot, Law 4. Sometimes filters can cause problems rather than fix them, so get to know the tricks that can help you out. Normally, we would advise getting the shoot right in camera. It saves time and effort adjusting and manipulating images later, later on. We'd much rather use an ND grade filter to capture detail in both sky and landscape of the sunset or sunrise shoot than use fancy software techniques. But there are situations where it is better to leave the ND grade filter in your bag and use a photographic technique to balance the exposure. The, cl the classic case in when there are <coughs> mountains, buildings or trees above the horizon in the shoot. The sun is low in the sky. In these conditions, it is possible to keep detail in both brightness and the darkness areas of the scene in a single exposure. But if you use the ND grade filter, any part of the scene above the horizon is darkened, making it obvious. HDR free. Now I mentioned HDR before. HDR is the taking dark, taking normal, and taking light over and under exposures, stitching them all together and hopefully getting the perfect image. High dynamic range HDR processing is an option, but it but many people find that HDR rarely produces the natural looking result. So we tend to use it for landscapes. The latest detail SLRs and improved raw processing software such as Lightroom 6 means that you can often reclaim a lot of high and shadow detail. Now I'll go into HDR more in a, another video but they are good techniques. Don't always use a filter. Now there's a lot, a lot more I can say on that one so I'm just going to leave it here. Law 5. Don't always shoot in the best weather. Because a become a storm chaser and you'll get much more dramatic shots, but make sure you stay safe. Even though we can see the attraction of shooting landscape whilst the sun is shining, we are much more likely to get excited about the prospects of a good storm or weather front coming in than hold out for clear blue skies. <clears throat> this isn't because we like getting cold, wet or blown around by gales, but because the colour, textures and light you can get just before 
or after a storm are among the most dramatic and eye-catching conditions of landscape photography. Be careful out there. Going out in a storm isn't to be taken lightly because there are plenty of potential dangerous things that can happen to both you and your kit. So you need to make sure that you're putting yourself you're not putting yourself at risk and that you're having suitable clothing if the rain or winds takes a turn for the worse. Protect your gear. Of course you also need to make sure that your camera gear is safe and remains dry. Take a strong waterproof plastic bag, a bin bag is perfect, or that you can quickly cover the whole camera if it starts to rain whilst the camera's fixed on a tripod. Carry plenty of clo clothing cloths, cleaning cloths, sorry, for lens, glass and filters along with a microfiber towel for drying off the camera body and lens. Very good points there. Now, some of the best pictures that I've taken when doing landscape or even outside building has been when the, the sun has been at sunset or sunrise, but the weather hasn't been spot on. Now, when it comes to, pro, uh, to cross-processing, there's two things you could do. If you have a lot of colour in the sky when you make it dramatic by upping the colour. If the colour looks dull while shooting, I would suggest putting the camera, not the camera, sorry, processing it and turning it into black and white because uh, that can save an image. Try black and white first before you say, nah because that can always save an image and protecting your gear now like I said earlier on in this episode uh, I have a rain cover which covers the entire camera plus any lens that I have um, and it tightens up so you can cut you can cover the bottom of it as well um, so it keeps the camera dry and safe and all this jazz and it still allows me because it's got a little hole in the back uh, for the little um, eye uh, hole um, you can still shoot with your camera and it's designed not to affect the image at all because unless the the things too wrinkled if it's smoothed out enough um, it still takes a good image because it doesn't like have any reflections or anything like that. So that's all perfect and good and just something to keep in mind. Law 6. Don't just shoot from one viewpoint. Explore your location thoroughly and you might find a viewpoint everyone else wishes they'd shot from. <clears throat> After you've done your research and looked around at previous images of the location, it's tempting to turn up and simply head straight for the viewpoint that's been shot many times before, or perhaps 
scout around but settle for the first viewpoint that you find that works but there are usually many viewpoints that can be used taking shots that are often a fresh take on a familiar subject so basically when you get to your location okay fine shoot from the the first best location you found but don't just use that location for the rest of the day walk around me and my dad rarely ever use tripods now photographers might go ah why tripods should be your heaven your god but no not at all me and my like i just said me and my dad rarely ever use tripods now this is because we like to walk around where we're taking photos have a nice stroll as we're taking photos because as we go along we might find a viewpoint that someone else might have missed we often take paths that most people won't take we we look we walk through gates we knock on people's doors to ask if it would be okay to use their garden or okay to walk through their farm or their greenland or their backyard or the woods at the back of their house or whatever it may be and because of this i have taken some fantastic photos and things that most people wouldn't have dreamed of taking so always look around always think and even if you haven't got a tripod there's two little tricks that we follow get down on your knees which is another vantage point you can use because you get high or low images and then also wrap your thumbs around the the handles of your uh, tripod uh, sorry of your camera so that that keeps it steady whilst you're shooting as well and there's always different things like this so keep that all in mind and just try and look for a unique location now <clears throat> law seven don't rely on the rule of thirds steer clear of grid lines and learn how the landscape and creativity choices can complement each other the classic rule of image compositions are staples of all photography genres the rule of third which suggests that dividing your frame into a three by three grid then placing your focal point where the grid lines meet is perhaps the most commonly applied to landscape photography but the but in the world guidelines like this are more likely to handy suggestions than hard and fast rules and if the and if you rigorously stick to one composition your shoots can end up looking similar and slightly boring the other big problem with the rule is that 
nature doesn't always follow them. The landscape in front of you may not want to fit in a nice regular rule of thirds composition. The key is to allow the subjects to influence the composition rather than trying to focus the subject and conform to the rule. Now, I agree and disagree with this one purely because I use the rule of thirds quite often. But what I tend to do is my subject isn't always the center of my photo. Now, rule of thirds, as it suggests, is splitting your image into a three by three grid. Now, perfect, right? And landscape photography can fit this because what you can do is your subject doesn't have to be the center of your photo. As long as you put that subject along one of those lines, up, down, left, right, corner to corner, as long as you have done that in some way, your eye will be attracted to that subject. And it still looks good because you're not making the, you're not, you're still following the rule of landscape where it won't always fit a three by three. You make it fit a three by three. And that's just my opinion on this one. Now, law eight, don't include too much in the shot. Remember that less is more and you'll draw attention towards what matters most to your shot. Creating a strong, striking landscape composition is often as much about you leaving out of the frame as what you include. When you're faced with a stunning landscape, it is often difficult to decide what to include. So you simply procedure to help out. First, decide which part of the scene is essential to the composition. This is often the feature or subject that first made you stop and consider taking a shot, such as mountain peaks, a tree, or often the color of the foreground. Creating striking composition is often as much about what you leave out of the frame as what you include. Using this main subject starts to include other elements, usually one at a time, to see if they will fit into the composition without distracting from the main subject. With, the practice, with this practice, you can do this without taking any photos, but one of the benefits of digital cameras is that you can try out different compositions, then scroll through the images on your camera's rear display to decide which ones work. Keep checking that all the elements of the scene work together and 
and that the main element you identified at the start with will still draw your eye to. Now, again, I agree with this one. Now, what I personally tend to do is take a picture of the thing that got me there in the first place and then do exactly that, include more and more and more and more. But what I tend to do is I tend to use the subject, then take out the subject and then start building up to the subject. And then by that point, all the elements that can be in the photo and don't distract from the subject that first got you to take the photo, then all works anyway. So take a picture of that and then work, and then I work backwards rather than from the subject and include more, I include, I take out the subject and build up to the subject, then being back in the photo. Now, law nine, don't think only in color. Learn the landscape situations that lead themselves to monochrome and add a new twist to your favorite spot. There are two distinct weather and lighting conditions that can prompt us to think in black and white. The first is a heavy cloud sky, which tends to produce a very monochronic result anyway. The second is there are flattering, floatery clouds in a bright sky. Seen from both sides, there are two conditions, procedures, every uh, very different results and also needs different approaches to procedure the final image, to produce the final image. The easier is when your blue sky cloud and landscape breathe in light. There, all you need to do is make sure that you've captured the full range of tone and the black and white conversion is easy. We use a preset red filter conversion available in Lightroom or Photoshop to darken the blues and increase the contrast. When shooting in heavy clouds, things are trickier. We often use an ND grade filter to darken the sky after converting the image to black and white and have to do a lot of dodging and burning to lighten the darken specific areas. Now, and I've mentioned this already a little bit further back in this episode, black and white can improve an image. Sometimes I use it so that I don't have to get rid of an image because colour is what may be destroying the image for me to want to get rid of it in the first place. Black and white is also brilliant because 
if you're if the day is sort of monochronic already then black and white would be perfect for this situation because your the monochronic is already there so you might as well make it monochronic and so on and so forth so you know it's preference but I do it from time to time not often but I do it and sometimes it makes my images look better than what it did in the first place now our last and final law law 10 <clears throat> don't be afraid to revisit locations to get an old an ultimate landscape shot keep going back and using the knowledge you've earned from the previous visit we always looking for new places to find insight and inspiration but landscape photography is about more than simply ticking boxes off a checklist of locations the way the light seasons and weather changes a scene is one of the most fundamental aspects of landscape photography it is almost impossible to capture any of these amazing sites if you only visit the location once the the move on the next one on your list we often return to locations both close to home and in areas that visit regularly to learn more about the lighting and weather combined to lead a different look to the landscape save time returning to a location means that you can spend less time researching the area although it is good to look out for viewpoints composition and subjects you might have missed now absolutely perfect for the last law because even i revisit locations one of my favorite places to revisit is kingston park in i believe i believe it's still part of surrey uh yeah anyway um in england and my m the reason why i love it so much is because it's a vast park with reindeer uh, and loads of other different animals mainly reindeer and I've never walked right round the whole park. There are still parts of it I have never visited. And after reading what I've just read, I really should go and have another look at those vantage points. Now, I might do this re quite soon. The, the weather's not very nice at the moment, but as we said before, some of the best, some of the best photos are taken in some of the worst sort of weather conditions so i might go out i might have a go myself go back to richmond park have another look round. another beautiful place which is coined after henry the ape said there's none such place as beautiful as this is non such park um in england which is again around me uh in the surrey area and so yeah there we have some mo we have some really beautiful places round by us um 
nearby where my mum works, there's a beautiful area. Um, they have market stalls up all the time and all this jazz. And I like to go and visit and go and see her at work and then go out and shoot for a bit. So there are some fantastic places that I revisit around me quite often. Um, so yeah, so always like even if it's just somewhere around by yourself that you find interesting. Uh, for example, I think I've got a friend that lives in New York and there's the famous park around there. Now, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but there is a famous park in New York. And if I lived near there, I'd probably be out as often as I can shooting that area and taking different different vantage points and and taking advantage of all the the people that would be there all the nature that's in that park the the bridges the underpaths and all this jazz so even if you're just doing it for practice find an area around yourself that you can revisit all the time because it's quite local even if it's just a bus ride away or a train ride away or uh, a short drive away something that's always there and will always help you out before we go today i'd just like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and again i apologize for not having an episode out out last week stuff went on in personal life and i wasn't able to record ahead of time like I was doing, so now we've caught up. But, if you would like to talk about today's episode or any of the previous episodes you've heard on the Be It Me Not You Photography podcast, then you can do so by downloading the Anchor FM app on Google, on Android and iOS. You can also Send us a message at be it me not you pod. That's be it me not you pod on Facebook. You can do it through Twitter at be it me not you. That's at Twitter at be it me not you. You can also leave a voicemail on our number 0844 351 0105. That's 0844 351 0105. Or email us at be it me not you at gmail.com. That's be it me not you at gmail.com. I've been Michael John Burgess. This has been the 10 Laws of Landscape Photography and the Be It Me Not You Photography Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. And until the next time, guys, I shall see you later. Goodbye for now.